0: Every work team has moments of conflict and dysfunction. Sometimes productive conflict is a necessary part of wrestling through big ideas to get to the best possible outcome, but sometimes our teams become mired in conflict that is entirely avoidable because it's based in vastly different communication styles or different motivations and misunderstandings. Enter the Enneagram. The Enneagram offers not only self-awareness, but also curiosity and deeper understanding of others. I teach the Enneagram and consult with teams to improve their communication styles, conflict effectiveness and self-leadership, all of which foster highly engaged and high-performing teams. During a recent team event, I heard over and over, this just makes so much sense when they looked around the room and saw who was fitting within each type. And now I know why this person asked so many questions. or. This depersonalizes some of the conflict we've been having because I can tell we're just coming from different perspectives. So now that we know where we are, we can see how we can get aligned. So if you're looking for ongoing support or simply considering an engaging introspective module for your team's offsite or event, let's talk reach out to the 9types team at hello at 9types.co or schedule a one-on-one consultation with me on my website, 9types.co. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Ask an Enneagram Coach. I'm your host, Steph Baron-Hall. I'm a certified Enneagram Coach, creator of 9 Co on Instagram, and author of the new book, The Enneagram in Love. Every other week, you can find me here answering all of your pressing Enneagram questions so that you can understand yourself more clearly and find new paths toward growth. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Ask an Enneagram Coach. I'm really excited about our question today. But before I get started, I wanted to mention that you can submit questions as well. You can send a voice memo or your question via, I mean, it can just be text to my Instagram um, at 9 types co, or you can email me at hello at 9types.co, and you will be able to tell me your questions. And I think that'll be really fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing them in your words and showcasing them here on the podcast. So feel free to send those in. The question I have for today, um, I've had for a while. So people constantly ask this question, and so I wanted to actually address it. I'm going to have some work and leadership experts on soon, and so they're going to be talking a little bit more about work, but I wanted to talk about it a bit for today. So to get started, our question is, what are good jobs for each Enneagram type? And my response might not surprise you if you have been listening for long, but I think that career is based on a lot of different factors outside Enneagram type. For example. What do you enjoy? What do you care about? What type of schedule do you prefer? What is your level of expertise in a given area? I think it's impossible to say what college majors are best for each Enneagram type or what role in an organization works best for each type. Though I will say there have been a couple times when people have put out lists of college majors and my one of my... um, Well, not my major, but my master's degree has shown up on my Enneagram type. But sometimes I wonder if that's more just a function of I happen to be on that list rather than um, that there's a real strong correlation there. I truly believe that any type can be a leader and any type can be a good employee. Many of those differences are more individual and not based on type. So I'm not saying that every single person is the best leader and the best employee, but any type can be. I think threes and ones are often thought of as the hardest workers, but any type can actually be a highly motivated, hard worker. That said, there are some things that might be helpful for each type to consider as they try to determine the best fit for them career wise. So let's start off with type ones. Type ones do well in careers where their values and integrity aren't questioned daily. I know that might sound like a no brainer, but I think ones have a really, really hard time when even small aspects of their work run counter to their values. As long as they can stand behind the big picture of their organization or the work feels personally meaningful for them, I think ones will do well. Ones are fair-minded and appreciate competent, fair authority, especially when they're being given feedback. They prioritize clarity and communication. Ones also hold common courtesy and high regard. So things like People who are constantly running late to meetings, people who don't do their work well, or uneven application of rules will be really upsetting for a one at work. Interestingly, ones can at times lack courtesy when their frustration toward others lacking courtesy reaches a breaking point. So if they're constantly afraid or frustrated with a coworker for always running late, they might just be like, why aren't you on time? You know, kind of have like a little moment where they let that frustration out and that can actually... That can kind of cause one of those self-criticism spirals because they're like, why did I say it like that? I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't appropriate in their minds, even though maybe there is some truth to what they are saying. In terms of quality of life at work, ones will be most satisfied when in jobs where they can take initiative to improve things. Ones can't help but see the way that things can be better. And if they're not allowed to take initiative to make improvements, or if they have to jump through a million hoops before they can touch anything, they will not thrive. So that's for type one, let's move on to type two. Twos do well in careers where they feel like they can positively impact a team or the entire field. So not all twos are extroverted, but most twos wanna find a way to feel connected with other people. They filter their work through this lens and they will thrive when they feel appreciated for the way their work is improving the lives of others. Twos are really conscientious, and they appreciate when others interact with empathy and kindness. They also really appreciate being kept in the loop to what is going on, whether that's with the work that they're doing or in the office. Twos see the world in terms of connection and relationships. Of course, we often think about this about the way that twos talk with other people, but I also think it comes into play when we consider twos and ideas. When planning projects or executing procedures, twos often consider how everything is connected and how each task will impact the other tasks. In terms of quality of life at work, twos will be more satisfied in environments with positive, warm connections twos don't have to be best friends with everyone in the office. But if the office culture is cold or toxic, twos might really struggle to feel content. And this can really impact their work performance. Twos tend to have a harder time looking past this than some of the other types. But again, most of us don't like that type of work environment. So keep that in mind as well. All right, let's move on to type three. Type threes do well in careers where they feel they have room for advancement, feeling like their work is seen and Appreciated is really, really important for threes. And at times they can lose themselves and work in pursuit of this. Threes can thrive in environments where there are concrete objectives and number based goals. Threes are really focused on others seeing the contribution as valuable. This doesn't mean they always need their name on a billboard, but it does mean that when they accomplish a goal, it's helpful to be appreciated. Threes appreciate clear goals and deadlines. So if they see, if like things seem ambiguous to them, it can really cause the three to feel like they're being set up to fail, which is actually probably one of their biggest fears. Threes don't do well in environments where their work is constantly heavily and unduly criticized, especially if their perceived lack in their work is due to unclear expectations. In terms of quality of life at work, threes will be most satisfied when they feel that they are trusted to do their job well. Threes really value competence, so if they are micromanaged, they tend to feel that the manager sees them as incompetent, and this can be extremely frustrating and deflating. And I'm trying not to say the same things for all of the types, but I do wanna point out that for types one, two, and three specifically, all three of these types have something in common, which is that they tend to kind of overextend themselves for other people, whether it's because they want to do the right thing and they really want to make a big impact by improving things, or it's because they really want to be helpful to others, or if it's because they really um, want to excel and succeed. So all of these three types kind of have those, those motivations. And for all three of them, it can be really challenging when they get feedback that feels really unfair. So, like I said with ones, um it's important to you know definitely give plenty of positive feedback as well as the negative. Uh, for twos, I think it's really important to make sure that if you're going to give feedback for twos, I I personally so I'm a 3, I hate this method, but I think that a lot of twos that I've spoken with and done workshops with um have said that they really prefer the sandwich method, meaning um something positive and then Delivering the criticism or or piece of feedback that needs to be delivered, and then following up with something positive again, um, that really kind of helps cushion the blow because two, put literally they're just so, you know they put in one hundred percent effort into their work, and it's really hard for them when they feel that they are falling short of like helping others in the way that they wanted to, and then threes like I said, I think threes are pretty good at taking feedback if it feels warranted. But sometimes what can happen is um, maybe the manager thinks that the feedback is warranted, but the three feels that it's not. If the the feedback feels unfair, that can be really deflating. So keep that in mind. Um, I think we all have a responsibility. I think Um, employers or, or, sorry, employees or individual contributors have a responsibility to kind of thicken their skin in a sense and make themselves more available to feedback and and really work on, on increasing their, you know, kind of feedback absorbency, I'd say, so that they can improve. And I think managers also have a responsibility in learning how to deliver feedback well in a way that it can be received. So I think there's a mutual responsibility there. All right, so let's move on to type fours. Type fours do well in careers where they feel they can have a meaningful and impactful role. So it's often said that fours can only do work that's meaningful, and I think there is some truth to this, but I also think that sometimes we need to broaden our idea of what is meaningful. What is most meaningful for a four might not be running a nonprofit or being an artist. It might be providing for their kids. So as long as they can connect it to their own sense of meaning, they will be okay. So it's more about what's personally meaningful for them in their lives and supportive of them in their lives. Fours can have a really hard time with comparing themselves to others, and they often come up short in their minds. It's important for fours to feel like authenticity is valued in a workplace because they hate the feeling that they have to fake who they really are. Fours hold their personal contribution in high regard, and they definitely want to feel like they are what they're doing is for the greater good. A lot of fours also want to have a little freedom to do things they enjoy outside of work, so they may do well in a job that gives them some flexibility. In terms of quality of life at work, fours really appreciate feeling like they can bring their full selves to work. And one of the ways they often do this is by feeling like they have some freedom to do things creatively or solve problems in ways that are different from how they've always been done. When they're given a little leeway, fours can really thrive in any position. All right, let's move on to type fives. Fives do well in careers where they can become well-versed in the subject matter and rely on their expertise to get the job done. They don't like to be rushed. And if you are a five or you know a five, you know that this is true. So they tend to need ample time to make decisions or have a predetermined system that makes, decisions, that makes the decision making simpler. Fives can get along well with coworkers and fives tend to have deep personal relationships with their loved ones. But at work, fives tend to appreciate a little bit more distance and independence. It's not that they don't like people. It's just that they're choosy about who they give their emotional energy to. So one of the most basic things we all know about fives is that they appreciate objectivity, facts, and information. While fives don't always express themselves with emotion, they may get frustrated or feel pressured and overwhelmed when they're asked to make decisions quickly and feel rushed. It's important that fives are given all necessary information they need prior to taking action. This isn't to say that fives can't succeed in a fast-paced work environment though. They just need to know info ahead of time to feel prepared. For example, If a five is a firefighter, they might spend a lot of time studying and working to understand all the intricacies of fighting fires so that in a moment when they have to make a split second decision, they feel prepared. So again, it's not that they can't work in those fast-paced environments. It's just that they need to be able to prepare for them those things ahead of time so it doesn't feel like they have to process it. It's like it's almost like rote memory. In terms of quality of life at work, fives often like to keep their work and personal lives separate, but they may begin to open up after a while. I think it's really important to keep in mind that while fives filter things heavily through their intellect and mental faculties, they are still humans. So fives get pigeonholed a lot as being a bit robotic, and rather than fight the box, they often just withdraw. So keep in mind that they're human, and that they have full lives and a full range of emotions just like everyone else, even if you don't see it on the outside. Okay, let's move on to our sixes. Sixes do well in careers where they can really feel like their voice is heard. I don't necessarily think sixes always need to feel re- reassured or validated, but sixes can end up frustrated if they're continually silenced or ignored when they bring up potential problems. This is really the sixes superpower in the workplace. They think things through, and they're able to troubleshoot and ask relevant questions. It is very useful to have sixes in the room. Sixes work well with others, and they're great at building community in the workplace. It's important for sixes to feel that they are part of a team. But if they don't trust their coworkers or manager, they might tend to isolate or be really independent. Sixes are known for being very responsible, and they often will take on more responsibility at work, but they thrive when there are clear expectations, clear systems, and clear instruction. If they're asked to take on a project without adequate prep time or direction, they can get flustered, and they really don't like that. Most Enneagram types care about competence in the workplace, but I think it's really, really important for sixes they need to feel like their manager is competent. Sixes tend to be ambivalent about authority, meaning sometimes they gravitate toward a strong authority, and at other times they rebel against that authority, especially if the authority is incompetent or untrustworthy. Some people, or some Enneagram scholars, I'll say, um, almost say they like mutiny against the authority because they're like, this is not going to go well. We have to take over the ship because otherwise... We're all going to crash and die. And so they're like, th- that instinct kind of kicks in. And so they'll kind of rebel. But otherwise, at other times, they really like a strong authority. So that's kind of one of the interesting things about sixes. In terms of quality of life at work, the most important thing for sixes is consistency, both from the people around them and from the expectations placed on them. Sixes can do really well in jobs that are somewhat predictable, but they often just need to build in rhythms and structures that help them feel calm and supported. So even in jobs that are a bit chaotic, I have worked with sixes in in chaotic jobs. And the, the most important thing I've observed is that they need to build in their own structures that make them feel calm and supported and have those rhythms and routines in place so that when the chaos happens, they can handle it. Okay, moving on to sevens. Type sevens do well in careers where they are able to play up their curiosity and versatility. Sevens often, again, get pigeonholed. Let's stop doing this. I hate that we pigeonhole one another. Um, But sevens often get pigeonholed as being unable to focus, disorganized, scattered, and all of those sorts of things, but that isn't necessarily true. Sevens just need to be in jobs that catch their interest. Sevens thrive in jobs that they are interested in that are competitive, or are varied and offer unique challenges every day. While threes are generally stereotyped as the achievement-oriented type, sevens can also be very achievement-oriented. They want to do well and be successful, and they'll apply a lot of determination to get there. Sevens can be fun and whimsical in the workplace, and they might even be the office jokester. But even more than that, they want independence. Sevens can have a really difficult time with authority since they tend to have a rebellious streak. While most sevens can rein that in and get their work done, other sevens may prefer just to be their own boss. They often have the dreams, imagination, inspiration, and drive to start something new. So you'll find a lot of sevens in entrepreneurship because they... They see the world as so full of possibilities and they see themselves as capable of achieving those. And I think it's really important too for sevens as entrepreneurs. I've talked about this a bit before, but for sevens as entrepreneurs, I think it's really important for them to build the scaffolding. So they'll try and you know fly high and have all their big dreams and, and they'll take action and it they'll be soaring. But then soon enough, they'll realize, oh, I don't have the scaffolding built up underneath this to actually support it. So they need to either learn that themselves or better yet, have somebody else come alongside them and help them build the things that they aren't naturally gifted at. And that's super, super helpful for them to be successful as entrepreneurs. In terms of quality of life at work, sevens typically prefer environments where they are not micromanaged and have some freedom to take initiative. Sevens are quick thinkers, so it can feel exhausting to have to stop and ask permission for every little thing. So you can see again why sevens might love entrepreneurship. So type eights. Type eights do well in work environments that let them thrive in their natural strengths, meaning they are allowed to be leaders, they get to be outspoken, and they are free to get their job done. It might seem like that last one is a no-brainer, but sometimes eights experience red tape or an abundance of required documentation or the constant need for permission as obstacles getting in their way in the office. It's not that A's do don't wanna do things properly or they don't want them done properly. It's just that for most eights, Things only needed to be communicated once. So for a lot of eights, they might see, you know, having to jump through all that red tape or, or um, fill out multiple things to be a little bit of, you know, just paperwork and it, it becomes redundant. So they kind of want to be able to just do their job without having all the excess stuff. Eights also really, really need a competent manager or somehow they will end up managing, especially when they've been in the office for a while and eight can build deep friendships with coworkers because they really care about people. And I'm pointing this out because eights are often seen as uncaring or too tough, but they actually do really care. But in the workplace, eights are really there to get the job done. They don't find it to be too important to constantly be talking about anything other than work when they are at work. Often, off the clock, it's a completely different story, but eights can sometimes have a not here to make friends type of attitude. Eights do well in settings where they can have autonomy. They tend to want to make a big impact so they can feel frustrated when they're constantly being held back by others, especially when it's because others aren't really doing their job. In terms of quality of life at work, eights thrive when they're able to focus on their goal while at work and can forge the path ahead. They often either like to be working on something new or they can do really well when things are cut and dry. So things are really plain, simple. They know what they're supposed to do and they can do it. They don't tend to like unspoken expectations from others. All right. Finally, we have type nines. Type nines do well in work environments where they're able to take the time and space they need to process. They don't always need to know everything in advance, but they do like to have ample time to make decisions and to move forward. They do not like to be rushed, though, like fives, if they know enough that making a quick decision is easier, they can do well in fast-paced environments. It's important to nines to feel like they are in cooperation with their coworkers, so they do best in environments where people work together well or they have the ability to work alone, so they also like that independence part. Some nines are really social and thrive when their coworkers are also that way whereas other nines prefer to be a little bit less involved. Either way, since nines are constantly taking in information through their gut intuition and are subconsciously reading the room, a sense of tension can cause them great unease, right? That's what we always talk about with nines that need to be at peace internally and externally. Sometimes this tension and unease can manifest physically. As exhaustion or sickness, if the nine... Isn't really in tune with how they're feeling if they've ignored it for too long or if they've just decided to get tired, go to sleep, um, withdraw anytime something comes up, then that's kind of when that can start to happen. In terms of quality of life at work, nines thrive with balance. They don't like to feel off kilter, so they do best when they're able to feel like they're keeping some sense of equilibrium in their lives. Nines can also be awesome leaders since they are able to see all sides of an issue. So that is all nine types um so again, when i mention i I think I've mentioned a few times the thing about being personally meaningful, and I'm really talking about what helps each type or each person hit their individual goals, even if someone isn't in love with their work, they might find it meaningful if it's if it's the means by which they can provide for their family, meet their financial goals, et cetera. Sometimes when people reach out to me and ask to recommend jobs or majors based on their Enneagram type, they're likely struggling to understand themselves, their likes and dislikes and their interests. Or maybe they're just struggling to actually focus on what they want and make a bold decision. On this note, I think it's really important not to outsource that. I think that there might be people close to you who can give input, but I want to challenge us all to get to know ourselves and believe in our own abilities to make good decisions. I think when you start to look at it that way and start to see everything as open to you, start asking those questions like, what do you enjoy? What are you good at? And if you say you're not good at something, is it that you're really not good at it or you haven't tried it yet? You haven't gotten the appropriate training. There are people who maybe they want to do something having to do with math. And after four years of college learning math, they still can't get basic algebra. Okay, then maybe you shouldn't be doing something with math. But for the most part, we tend to be interested in things that we kind of have some sort of natural inclination toward, I think. So yeah, definitely, even if you're if you feel like, oh, man, I'm not good at it. Don't give up. Like, I think that there are a lot of things that we can all do that we don't do because we try them one time. And maybe this is just a type three in me, but um, we try it one time and then we're like, oh, I I can't do it. I'm not good at it. No, keep trying. Um, But yeah, I I think it's really important rather than asking the Enneagram what you should do for a job or what you should study for college, ask yourself and get better at at learning yourself and and understanding yourself and what's working for you and what's not. So that's all I have for you for today. I just wanted to answer one big, all encompassing question where I hit all nine types instead of several smaller ones. But hope you enjoyed it. Hope it was helpful for you and you found it to be a bit encouraging. I'm really looking forward to the episodes I have coming up for you. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating, and review those are really helpful to help other people find it as well, who might also like the Enneagram or might also have some of the same questions that you do. So feel free. Um, Part of the reason I designed the podcast the way that it's designed is so that, you know, when people reach out to me and have similar questions, I can shoot them the podcast episode where I've answered it. So if you also experience that, then feel free to share the podcast with your friends as well. So, hopefully, you're having a great week, and I really look forward to talking with you again in a couple of weeks.